Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jollo of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. On this episode, we travel to 1971 and review Luciano, Your Cold Eyes, Death Walks on High Heels, also known as Death Stalks and High Heels, and Nights of Love and Terror. On this solo episode, I will explore this film's tight-knit cast and crew, the link between this director's other films, and how famed film director Alfred Hitchcock influenced this Italian-Spanish co-production. Before I get into the giallo goodness, I wanted to recommend one film that I recently watched. If you're a fan of hip-hop music and hip-hop culture, check out Wild Style from 1982. The actual story of the film surrounds the tension between a graffiti artist's passion for his craft and his personal life, particularly his strained relationship with a fellow artist. But this isn't why one watches this film. Universally hailed as the first hip-hop movie, Wild Style features New York's 1981 hip-hop scene and several prominent figures. You can watch Wild Style on Tubi TV and Canopy for free. Now let's dive into our Jalo of the month. With obvious connections to Alfred Hitchcock and many other thrillers of the past, Death Walks on High Heels follows an alluring French stripper named Nicole as she learns that her father was stabbed to death on a train. Nicole is questioned by police about stolen diamonds and her involvement in the crime. Strange things begin to happen as Nicole starts to receive threatening phone calls aiming to get her to reveal the location of the missing diamonds. Nicole is then attacked in her bedroom by a masked maniac with chillingly blue eyes. Our lead character's personal life is hardly less complicated as she runs off with a British eye surgeon. They take a trip to a quiet village on the coast of England, but Nicole's former lover arrives and danger follows. Death Walks on High Heels includes a few classic Jalo elements, such as a cloaked killer with black gloves, a liberal dose of nudity, mysterious phone calls, and of course, J&B Scotch Whiskey. There's also a very cute cat. This episode will contain spoilers. You can watch Death Walks on High Heels on Amazon Prime and 2B TV. I will also do a slight trigger warning for this film. There is one instance of blackface. There is one transphobic throwaway character. And there is an extensive scene in which two characters eat chunks of greasy fish with their bare hands. It's disgusting. You've been warned. Released in November of 1971, Death Walks on High Heels reassembles most of our director's production team from his previous feature, Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. These two films, along with Death Walks at Midnight from 1972, form a trilogy, While not connected narratively, they share an overarching sense of style, set of obsessions, and infatuation with Neves Navarro. We have Neves Navarro, credited as Susan Scott, playing our lead Nicole Richard. You may recognize this actress from such films as All the Colors of the Dark, Death Walks at Midnight, and The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. Neves Navarro was born in Spain and was married to our director, Luciano Ercoli. In the early 1970s, Neves did her best to unseat Edwidge Finnick as the Queen of Jalo. She does a fairly good job in Death Walks on High Heels, though she is burdened with a convoluted screenplay and her husband's often overreaching direction. Next in the cast, we have Simon Andrew, who plays Michelle, 
Nicole's younger lover. You may recognize this actor from E. coli's other films and also his busy film and television career up until 2019. Frank Wolf plays Dr. Robert Matthews, the older man who sweeps Nicole off her feet. Frank Wolf started his career by acting in several Roger Corman films. However, he had to travel to Europe to become successful. He was finally able to become a well-known actor in Italy and Europe and went on to become a major star in spaghetti westerns. His most famous, but briefest performance was in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. When the time of spaghetti westerns was ending, Frank had several roles in Italian crime movies. Sadly, the actor suffered from depression, and he killed himself in the Hilton Hotel in Rome in December of 1971. George Mijad plays Captain Lenny. This actor can be seen in All the Colors of the Dark and A Lizard in a Woman's Skin. We have Luciano Rossi, who plays a kooky small-town character named Hallery. This actor is also in Death Walks at Midnight. Last but not least, we have Claudie Lang as Vanessa Matthews, Robert Matthews' wife. This actress was also in Death Walks at Midnight. Our director began his career as a producer on Spaghetti Westerns. His first film credit was as an assistant director. He then acted as a film producer on several titles through the 1960s before making his directorial debut in 1970, helming the Jalo film Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion, which he also produced and edited. Ircoli went on to direct several more films throughout the early to mid-1970s. As mentioned earlier, he was married to Spanish actress Neves Navarro, who has appeared in several of his Jalo films. Ircoli's first two films share primary screenwriters. Death Walks on High Heels features a screenplay by Ernesto Gastaldi and Manahan Velasco. Death Walks on High Heels displays a Hitchcockian twist, which changes the film's tone from sleazy horror to a stylish and witty whodunit. Film historian and critic Tim Lucas described one of our screenwriters, Ernesto Gastaldi, as the first Italian screenwriter to specialize in horror and thriller films. Gestaldi worked within several popular genres, including pepla, westerns, and spy films. Following his gothic works, Gestaldi went on to work in the jolly subgenre. He directed such films as Libido, which was released in 1965. The presence of cinematographer Fernando Arabas and editor Angelo Curry helps to unite Ercole's films visually, while a common cast starring his wife provides a further connection. While both of the director's Death Walks films have many of the trademarks of the giallo genre, such as stylish cinematography, gloved killers, beautiful women in peril, they also have more traditional, but still beautiful, camera work and somewhat logical resolutions. This gives his films a bit of an old-fashioned mystery sensibility, which makes them more accessible to viewers unfamiliar with the tropes of Jalo. The soundtrack for Death Walks on High Heels is a mix of great retro lounge party music and distinctly Italian cues. Silvio Capriani scored the film. Capriani became prolific in the Italian film world, eventually winning Nastro d'Argento for Best Score Award in 1970. One of Capriani's most famous scores would be released in 1973 with the soundtrack for The Great Kidnapping. 
This track from the 70s was brought to the public's attention again when it was featured in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Additionally, some of the themes from The Great Kidnapping were also used in the soundtrack for 2009's Jalo Love Letter of a film, A Mirror. As far as the kills and death walks on high heels, this film is rather tame by Jalo standards. One grisly murder. Clocking in at 1 hour and 45 minutes, the film features three deaths, two female and one male. There's a male who has his throat cut with a knife a female who is found drowned, and also a female who is slashed to death with a knife. The best Jalo films compare favorably with the work of Alfred Hitchcock and other genre masters. They're often quite imaginative, with complicated and sometimes ingeniously constructed screenplays. The director of Death Walks on High Heels has not been shy about his use of unoriginal ideas. Ercoli is attempting to accomplish a subversion of certain expectations. Granted, many of these conventions were lifted from older formats, like Edgar Wallace mysteries, Agatha Christie thrillers, and of course, the works of Alfred Hitchcock. But just as film noir had a certain look and style that fit into the existing framework of gritty crime films, Jalo was a set of thematic and stylistic decisions that added a peculiar veneer to the genres upon which it was built. The influence of famed film director Alfred Hitchcock is apparent in multiple scenes within Death Walks on High Heels. There are red herrings galore, a plot that bounces unapologetically between genres, characters who bear a confusingly close resemblance to one another, and of course, filming the unattractive act of eating greasy fish as if you were filming a pornographic love scene. That scene in particular with the fish and the close-ups of fingers and mouths and just gunk everywhere resembles the transformation of the beautiful into the grotesque and vice versa that has become one of the favorite tricks of many Jalo directors. They would find a stunning number of ways to render sex between two attractive people to become repulsive. One could also compare the act of eating on screen to the fried chicken picnic between Cary Grant and Grace Kelly in Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. Hitchcock famously ignored trends of the late 50s by making his films almost entirely on a studio lot and, with the exception of The Wrong Man, conceptualize the human emotion in relation to what could be composed through edits, music, and lighting. By the 1960s, early Jolly, like Mario Bava's The Girl Who Knew Too Much, sought to transport Hitchcock's aesthetic onto city streets, where terror lurks in open spaces. Death Walks on High Heels opens with a grisly murder on a train, followed by a freeze frame on the killer's mass face. The next shot dashes through the streets of Paris with the Eiffel Tower looming in the background. This narrative choice expresses a nod to Hitchcock as the murderer and victim appear to have been strangers on a train, but there's also a formal shift to the return of on-location photography. This is a core tenet of neorealistic film technique. Additionally, in a plot reversal fit for a Hitchcock movie, our lead character Nicole turns up dead halfway through the film. In an effort to keep the audience in the dark, the writers change the narrative point of view away from the main character, a la Hitchcock's Psycho. Ironically, for a movie that has so much to do with eyes, and captures close-ups of eyes so glaringly, 
Death Walks on High Heels is one of the rare giallo that doesn't dwell very long on the subjectiveness of human perception. Though voyeurism is certainly one of the major fetishes explored within this film. But then again, voyeurism is probably the go-to kink for just about all giallo, since it plays so well with the concept of being stalked and menaced. This is where the rear window comparisons within Jolly become apparent. Both Death Walks on High Heels and Death Walks at Midnight share many of the traits common to Jolly films, but they also manage to maintain a link to more traditional mysteries and thrillers at the same time. One of the hallmarks associated with Jolly is the use of stylish and sometimes very stylized camera work. While cinematographer Fernando Arabes's camera work on both of these films is polished and quite beautiful, it only occasionally veers into the highly stylized angles associated with the genre. These Jalloist shots are used sparingly, but effectively. Our cinematographer seems to take his inspiration more directly from some of the early influences on Jallo, such as Hitchcock's Rear Window. There are a number of quite effective long-distance shots where the viewer witnesses events from the point of view of another character. Key scenes are viewed at a distance through half-covered windows, helping to hide just what may be going on and just who is doing what to whom and enhancing the mystery. Coming out of the Jalo boom in the early 1970s and owing a debt to Dario Gento's Bird with a Crystal Plumage, Death Walks on High Heels serves up a twisted and perverse plot which borders on being a spoof of Alfred Hitchcock and Edgar Wallace. I found this film to be overlong and aimless, never really sure if it's a thriller or an extended love letter to the director's wife. I spent most of the runtime being bored, but I will say the ending has such a zinger. It was like a knee-slapping laugh. I really liked that ending. When you finally get to the well-executed finale, you wonder why it took so many sideways paths to get to an obvious conclusion. The story shifts gears so many times that it could give even the most seasoned Italian thriller fan whiplash. Every time you think that they can't possibly introduce another red herring, a new suspicious face pops up. I know it's a bit odd to suggest that a film made over 50 years ago might be a little dated, but Death Walks on High Heels owes as much to 50 and 60s espionage dramas and heist dramas as it does to the contemporary giallo films of Argento and Baba. Death Walks on High Heels starts off strong with an intimidating villain, an excellent score, and stylish cinematography. However, the film really does lose steam in its second act and never really redeems itself with the exception of short bursts of entertainment. The acting is decent, but not amazing. Overall, the movie feels a bit forgettable by the end. While I didn't love this film, I would still suggest it, especially if you're a completist and you want to see all of the Jallo films. I just don't think it was one of the greats. For this episode, I have two flavors of the month, which are films that would pair well with Death Walks on High Heels. First up is Let the Corpses Tan from 2017. During a beautiful Mediterranean summer, a gang is on the run after stealing a large amount of gold. They believe they found the perfect hideout, a remote and abandoned community that has been taken over by a sensual woman who is searching for artistic inspiration. Unfortunately, surprise guests compromise their plan, and the heavenly place where wild happenings and orgies used to take place turns into a gruesome battlefield. 
Let the Corpses Tan also dons a fantastic soundtrack featuring music by Ennio Morricone and Death Walks on High Heels' very own Silvio Capriani. You can watch Let the Corpses Tan on Prime Video, Shudder, and Canopy. My second flavor of the month pick is Death Walks at Midnight. This film is, of course, by director Luciano Ercoli. It's one of his three Jallo films. In Death Walks at Midnight, Neves Navarro plays a strong and vital character. She is one of the main forces driving the plot forward. Death Walks at Midnight is a stronger, less predictable screenplay. It has a bit more visual flair and a very exciting ending. You can watch Death Walks at Midnight for free on 2 TV. If you're listening to this podcast and you want more Jalo goodness, you can follow Jalo of the Month Club on Twitter and Instagram at Jalo Club. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, please give the podcast a five-star rating. Logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. You can find Vegan Patches Etsy shop at Retirement Funds. Theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. You can follow myself, your host, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at DianaNK. For next month's episode, I will be joined by a very special returning guest. I'm your host, Diana Koch, and you have been listening to Jalo of the Month Love.